You're listening to the Uplifting Content Podcast with Ioni Butler. Join me every Tuesday to hear conversations with remarkable guests on a wide range of topics. The goal with this podcast is to introduce you to new ideas and techniques that will inspire and uplift you. Today, let's talk about reclaiming your power and living your purpose with Coot Blackson. I think so many times we feel something calling us. We feel a deeper truth, a deeper expression, a deeper something. Maybe it's to go in a direction. Maybe it's to launch a business. And I think sometimes what often stops us is fear. And I was, I was terrified. And so when I finally spoke to my father and we, and we didn't speak for two years, it was excruciatingly painful. Mm. But, but to deny my soul, to, to betray myself was actually more painful. And I had to make a choice. My guest today, Coot Blackson, is a charismatic visionary and transformational teacher who offers a fresh, bold look at spiritual awareness for a whole new generation. For over 20 years, Coot has been inspiring audiences around the world. His electrifying presentations not only offer real-world practical ideas and soul-stirring wisdom, but also ignite the heart and inspire courageous action. His mission is simple to awaken and inspire people across the planet to access their inner freedom, live authentically, and fulfill their true life's purpose. In this episode, we spoke about Coot's fascinating story and how he got to where he is today, how lying to ourselves causes suffering, how he started building his relationship with himself, how to become aware of our conditioning, four questions that will help you find your life's purpose, Coot's upcoming seminar in Bali, his coaching method, his fabulous book, You Are The One, and so much more. Coot has also kindly offered to give away a signed copy of his book, You Are The One, and you can find out how to win that by going to our website. The link to that will be in the show notes. Thank you, as always, for being a listener to the Uplifting Content Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a review and share this or any other episode with someone that you think might benefit from it. It all just helps us reach more people. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Coot, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Great, great. I'm hot in Arizona, <laughs> as I was telling you. I'm sweating out here, but it's all good. You look great. <laughs> <laughs> if I start sweating in this interview, I'm not in a sauna. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I mean, you technically kind of are in a sauna, but not the ones that you'd go to the gym for. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'd love to kick off these interviews by asking my guests how you got to where you are today. And I'm specifically interested in you because it seems like this type of work is something that you've been doing from a really young age. So I'd love to hear yeah. about your journey getting sure. there, getting here. Sure. Yeah, look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. And for me, my first memories were two things. I always felt a deep calling to serve people. I remember being age five, age six, and just really wanting to help people. I didn't really know what it was going to look like. I didn't know the form. I didn't know the exact expression. But I just felt like I want to. I just want to make a difference. I loved human beings, you know, as a kid. And so, as a kid, I remember being around six, seven, eight years old, a chubby kid, and I was, I was, I was walking through a crowd in Ghana, West Africa, and I literally saw this crippled woman. Uh, picking up the sand that this man walked on and wiping on her face and standing up. And so you could call that a miracle. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs. The same man who sang she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? Stand up. You know, you're, you're not sick. Stand up. Do you believe? Why do you have those crutches? Throw those crutches away. Do you believe? And they would say, but I haven't walked in 10 years. Do you believe? And so this man was my father and he was considered a miracle sort of man of Africa. And 
He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London, in South London. And so that was sort of a bit of my upbringing. I grew up in this, it was a kind of unique environment, but for me, miracles and this sort of spiritual realm were, was just totally normal. So I started speaking in my father's churches when I was age eight. Mm. Uh, when, I was, when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister in my father's sort of tradition. I was the guy that, I was the kid that was supposed to basically take over my father's spiritual legacy and organization and literally had hundreds of thousands of followers in Ghana, West Africa that looked up to me. So there was a lot of pressure. And, mm. and you know, the truth is when my father at 14, and, and you know, I, I was always very obsessed as a kid. You talk about where did it start? I was mm. always very obsessed with questions of who I, who am I and why am I here and what's the purpose of life and where do we come from? Where are we going? And I would look at folks in, you know, I grew up in London. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but I went to a very uh, high level school, got a scholarship to this uh, private, I guess, public school, but private school in, in the US. And a lot of my uh, classmates were sort of sons of politicians and presidents from different countries. And so I grew up around a lot of wealth, didn't have a lot of wealth. And I would see people who had everything, a lot of them seemed totally miserable and people mm. who had nothing seemed quite, quite fulfilled. And so I became really obsessed with trying to understand life, you know, why? What is the purpose of life? What is the nature of life? Is it to wake up, go to work, make money, eat, sleep? on vacation, two homes, and then die, surely there has to be more to this whole existence. And so that started my obsession with personal development and mm. uh, with, my, with my first self-help book when I was probably the age eight. And mm-hmm. then... Which book eight, was it out of curiosity? Do you remember? Uh, it was a book by a woman called Shakti Gawain called mm-hmm. Creative Visualization, one of the sort of old school spiritual texts. And I became mm. obsessed with, wow, it was very, you know, before the law of attraction. And, and yeah. so for me, as an eight-year-old kid, I thought, wow, my thoughts came, my reality, my energy impacts my, 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 my consciousness it can actually have a transformational impact on creating my experience. This is amazing. I, I, I'm a creator. And so as a... As a young kid, I became fascinated with this principle. If you can see, if you can believe it and see it, you can achieve it. And so mm. that started my, 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 you could say, spiritual personal development journey. But I started with people like Shekhi Gawain, started reading people like Osho, Krishnamurti, uh, Muktananda, uh, Maharishi Mashyogi of Transcendental Meditation, started meditating at a very young age. But around 14, when my father announced the congregation, my son is taking over, my heart sank because you know that feeling when you know something is not quite right mm-hmm. and something is, is off. Mm-hmm. And I saw my entire life being carved out for me. You know, mm-hmm. I saw my entire life being dictated and I knew this wasn't my path. I knew this wasn't my truth. But the truth is I was too afraid as, mm-hmm. as a 14 year old kid to confront my father and tell him this is, this is, this is not what I want. I was afraid that if I... If I was, if I spoke my truth, if I was, if I dared to be who I really was, then I'd be outcast, then he wouldn't love me, then I'd be abandoned, then I'd be alone. And so all these fears. And so 14 to 18, I said nothing, went along with it, served this huge kind of community. But when I was 17, 18, uh, after doing my A-levels, I decided not to go to university. I figured mm-hmm. I want to help people with life. Life has more to teach me. I have to live life. and. Uh, had to have a conversation with my father. And for me, the beginning of my life, I actually began the moment I dared to truly take full responsibility for my life. Mm-hmm. And I did have a conversation with my father. And that's when my entire life shifted. And I spoke to my father, told him I wasn't taking over his, his organization. We didn't speak for two years. Mm. And uh, 
that How was, was the, that? The, that was that was deeply challenging. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes people because I felt my purpose calling me, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and I couldn't deny it anymore. I think so many times we feel something calling us. We feel a deeper truth, a deeper expression, a deeper something. Maybe it's to go in a direction. Maybe it's to launch a business. And, and I think sometimes what often stops us is fear. And I was I was terrified. And so when I finally spoke to my father, and we did, and we didn't speak for two years. It was excruciatingly painful, mm. but, but to deny my soul, to, to betray myself was actually more painful. And mm. I had to make a choice. Am mm. I, go- I could live by society standards. I could follow the expected path from my life and achieve a certain level of success by what everyone expects. But if I don't have myself, if I don't have my authentic truth. If I don't have my own integrity, what mm-hmm. the hell do I have? You exactly. Know? And so I felt the pain of that, you know, and, and I think so many, you know, one of the things I think keeps us stuck from truly transforming that I found are really all the ways that we lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and, I, and I lied yeah. to myself for a bunch of years, you know, like, oh, it's fine. Maybe this is the path I want. And so I think one of the ways we keep ourselves stuck, unfulfilled, unhappy, are all the ways we lie to ourselves. And oh, yeah. All the, all the ways we rationalize and don't tell the truth. And maybe someone listening there in a relationship and like, well, it's, it's okay. It, you know, she's nice. She's nice. But, but something in your soul is saying, this that is not is wrong. This is not, it's not the right not person the for me. Not, I've actually, I've actually, one. I've actually been in that very situation. And it's funny that you said it because these were my exact words. I was, I was in it, and I just remember thinking, "You can lie to other people. You can pretend that this is okay, but I can't lie to myself." I mean, you, you can try, but that's when all the the suffering comes that's in suffering. because yeah. it's like this is not in alignment. And it's interesting what you're saying about the, the two years of not speaking to your father and how excruciating that is. I kind of see that as this like this short period of like, um, what is the word? You have to go through the, the struggle, that, that, that short period of like work breaking through to then have the lifetime of happiness. Because that yeah. was like, you, you could just imagine you didn't make that choice. Yeah. You had the two years of not speaking to your father yeah. and now you're living the life that's your life that as you should be, or you could have not had those two years, gone down a path and spend the rest of your life miserable. And yeah. so I just want to say to anyone out there too, like if you're feeling this way, yes, it's going to be hard to, to sort of speak your truth and perhaps disappoint people that want you to be doing something that you don't want to be doing. But your life on the other side of it is worth that. So yeah. I'd love to hear like, how did you start to build that relationship with your father? Was that easy, difficult? You know, the, for, for me, the first thing was I had to tell myself the truth. Mm. And it, it, was, it wasn't even the relationship with my father. It was the relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when I really made peace, I had to let go of my father completely and mm. realize this is, this is my life. And I had to really trust my own soul, my own guidance, and trust that if I'm being guided and if I have this dream or vision, then, then surely there's an intelligence in my soul. And when I really was willing to trust myself, trust my soul, trust what's guiding me beyond my father, who is a human being, trust the divine, the universe, this great intelligence, then it shifted everything for me. Mm-hmm. I realized it, it, it wasn't my father. You know, my father was just a, my whole relationship with my father shifted when I realized he's just a vessel and a vehicle, a beautiful human being, but that I, that I passed through in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. But, but, but really, I don't just belong to him. I belong to, to life. And yeah. so for me, the, Ooh, the, that's the, good. the shift happened was when I let him go. 
and mm. I blessed him and I released him and I, and I had to grieve and I had to let go. And, and so when I stopped lying to myself, you know, and what I was just saying earlier, then, I, then I'll say something with my father, but I think we have to ask ourselves the question. And these are some questions I have to ask myself is what lies am I telling myself? You know, what, what, what am I pretending to not know? You know, mm-hmm. what am I afraid will happen? Like the worst case that I'm afraid will happen if, if I follow my truth, if I tell the truth. And so I had to make peace with, well, what's the worst case? I don't speak to my father ever again or, or live this life, live the rest of my life. That's a lie. Pretend to be someone that I'm not and be miserable inside, hate myself. And sure, maybe my father's in my life, but he's only loving a version of me, a fake version of me, mm-hmm. not the real version of me. And that's not a real relationship anyway. Then the rest of my life is a lie, which mm-hmm. is misery. And so when I really made peace with that, I came to the U.S. And to be honest, I, came to, I won a green card in the lottery. Congrats. And, nice. And, yeah. and uh, I came to the U.S. and started pursuing this dream of trying to find teachers, and mentors. And, you know, I was pissed off, mad, angry, resentful of my father. Because mm-hmm. I, I felt, as a young kid, I felt like I didn't have his support. I felt like he wasn't there for me. I felt like he wasn't the father I thought he should be. <laughs> and I was mad and resentful and angry and blaming him. One day, I had this crazy epiphany sitting in a tiny, like, shoebox, 400, you know, 300, 400 square foot, tiny little apartment in downtown LA with mm-hmm. nothing sitting on the floor, feeling like a victim, feeling miserable mm. for myself. It was like the universe slapped me on the head, and I, and I got this epiphany, <laughs> and it changed my life. It went something like, no one owes you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody owes you. Like I, re- I was complaining and moaning about I don't have this and my father's this. And, and I just had this, this realization like nobody owes you anything. Your father doesn't owe you anything. You know, God doesn't owe you anything. You've been given everything. And, I, and, and, and in that moment when I decided to take full responsibility for my life yeah. uh, is the moment where I actually chose in that moment to also forgive my father. I realized. I was able to acknowledge how much he gave me, which wasn't maybe everything, but he gave me a lot. Maybe yeah. not what I thought I wanted, but I realized what he gave me was exactly what I needed for my unique soul's journey. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't the way he was, I wouldn't be able to be doing what I'm doing. And I wouldn't be able to develop the sort of spiritual, mental, emotional soul muscle to become the person that I need to become for my own destiny and purpose. And so... In that moment, I felt a deep sort of profound acknowledgement and appreciation for his role in my journey. And when I was really able to forgive my father was uh, was a freeing moment, Mm -hmm. a really free moment. And what was amazing was, it was crazy, this is years back, but he ended up calling me literally, I think, the next few days. I was going to say, did you pick up the phone? But no, he just, nope. he just got the message and called some, you. <laughs> some, it, it, it was shifting. It wasn't mm. even my father. It was shifting. We have to shift the relationship with the other person inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I, I had to totally accept who he was mm-hmm. and who he wasn't. And I realized I was, I was always wanting him to be someone else, wanting him to be something else. And I and I, that was making me suffer. I was mm. causing my own suffering, but I also wasn't able to receive what he was able to give me because I was so busy focusing on what he wasn't giving me. And that, that shifted a lot, the total acceptance of what he was and what he wasn't. And I realized who he was, it wasn't personal. You know, it was just, no. he was what he was. 
Right, right. And so we have a beautiful relationship. I love that. I'd, uh, I'd attended a um, personal development retreat a little while ago, and it was like a four-day seminar thing, like an introduction, whatever. And, they, and again, they talked about parents and this understanding that regardless of the relationship that you've had with your parents, like whether they were abusive or whatever, it's understanding that people are doing the best that they can with what they, the, what they, the skills and the tools and the awareness and the consciousness and the level that they were at and kind of just, exp- um, uh, just forgiving and being at peace with that and just being grateful for what they did give you, which in the very least is your life, which is pretty remarkable. And so, um, I've kind of, you know, and, I, and, 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 I, and I have to give up being right. Yeah, I I was so attached to my righteousness, Mm -hmm. and maybe I was right. He wasn't there for me. He didn't support me. He didn't give me this, this, and this, and this, and this. And then I realized it wasn't helping Mm -hmm. me. I I wasn't free. I wasn't happy. And all I was Mm -hmm. doing was unconsciously reinforcing how right I was by screwing up my life. Reinforcing. Look, it's all his fault. Yeah, look, I'm not getting this. I'm not. I'm I'm broke. I'm a failure. I'm happy (laughs) because of you. And so I think we have to. One of the things to really empower ourselves is we have to realize that we are not victims to our past. We in each moment we have a choice, and I think forgiveness is one of the most powerful choices choices we can make. I agree. And I like that that kind of brings it full circle. The title of this episode that I wanted to go with was let's talk about reclaiming your power and living your purpose. And I think a lot of just, just hearing your story, taking responsibility, I think is the ultimate thing. Discovering what your truth is, being tuned into your truth and then taking responsibility. Um, I'd love to touch on some of the ways in which you work with people. So you, you do um, seminars, you've got books, I'm sure you have private coaching clients. What are some of the ways that you work with people to help them through this? Yeah, look, uh, there's a lot I could share. Reclaiming their power. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot I could share, but I think what we have to first realize is what we are essentially is power. Hmm. What we are essentially is power so there's nothing we have to kind of get outside like people say, i'm going to go get my power i'm going to claim my power that's sort of putting it outside of yourself the foundation of what you are is power and i think when you realize what you are as a foundation it shifts the game it takes you inside the challenge is we're born as this these little children we're born free if you look into a mm-hmm. child's eyes a child is full of light a child is full of energy a child is in touch with their sort of divine magnificence. You know, a child mm-hmm. will jump on a table and sing and scream and dance naked. It doesn't care if it's like, am I fat? What do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care if, it, if, if, if he or she can't sing like, you know, Bruno Mars. It's just fully expressed. It's, a child is in touch with their true, authentic mm-hmm. nature. And this, to me, is power. A child is in touch with their divine self. But now mm-hmm. we're born into this environment this world, which is kind of intense, and we're born into this world with we meet our parents who are sort of, you know, they're doing the best that they can based <laughs> on their experience, based on their past, based on their relationships, based on mm-hmm, their programming, mm-hmm. based on their grandparents. So we're born into this environment. Some of us are born into intense environments. Maybe there's pain, maybe there's abuse, maybe there's trauma, maybe there's divorce, maybe there's neglect, maybe there's abandonment. I mean, the whole spectrum. So we're born into this sort of crazy experience called life, and usually somewhat challenging Mm -hmm. circumstance and so two things happen that starts to disconnect us from our true power the first thing is we unconsciously as children we for survival we start learning all sorts of ways and strategies to disconnect from 
the pain mm-hmm. of our experience. So we start developing all sorts of survival strategies to disconnect, to not feel, to shut down, to not feel the pain. Our parents screaming, our dad's an alcoholic, you know, he's not around, she's not around, we're getting beat, whatever it is. So we start shutting down parts of ourselves to not feel the pain. We start developing layers upon layers upon layers of sort of suppressed emotion and feeling. So that becomes a survival sort of strategy and our light becomes hidden Mm -hmm. underneath all the suppressed layers that we've built up to protect ourselves the other thing is we kind of go into the world you know my father was a minister i was a preacher's kid so for me we, we we start learning all sorts of strategies to the sense of who do i need to be in mm. order to be to be loved who do i need mm. to be in order to get my father's love to get my mother's love to be validated accepted and loved and mm. we start to sort of unconsciously again contort ourselves into a certain shape of who mm. we think we need to be to get love, validation, approval. We start developing all sorts of roles, masks, personas to, to get this love, you know? And so we become the, the, and then we hold tightly onto this way that we've contorted ourselves into being, thinking, no, this, this is who I am. This, mm. is, this is me. And so, you know, I became the perfect kid. I became the, the responsible one, you know, the, the, the good boy. And so we start developing these roles, these masks, the perfect one, the tough guy, the independent person, the, the, the aloof person, the know-it-all, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, the independent person. So, so all these roles and personas we hold tightly onto that sort of cloud our full and free mm. expression of our mm. true power. And so I think many times we think this is who we are, the prison of the sort of conditioning that we've become locked into. We think it's who we are, but I always ask people, I think we have to begin questioning ourselves, is who, you, is who you are, who you've become, who you really are, or is it really who you've been conditioned to be? Because the degree to which we are conditioned is the degree to which we're actually not free or powerful or have access to that power that's innately there to make free choice. And so I think we have to first start becoming aware of our conditioning mm-hmm. and questioning our conditioning and, and also be willing to own and feel some of the layers of emotion that we've suppressed in the process. But I think awareness is a first step. And many times we're not aware. You know, we're, mm. we're just living un- unconsciously in our conditioning and our program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's so many people are. And I... Myself, um, I'm reading a book by Gay Hendricks. Have you heard of him, Gay sure, Hendricks? Yeah, yeah. Love him, the, the Big Leap right now. And he talks about sort of finding finding out what your zone of genius is. Like, what is your true calling? And yes. I'm doing things that I really love and I'm enjoying it. But again, there's sometimes where I'm just not sure. And so... Um, in terms of what you love? And in, in just, in just like, is this, the, is this the core? Like, what is the core thing like what is my true power what is my sole purpose the reason for okay. bit like that thing I, and so I, I i just wonder and so i'm you know I, i'm i'm in a space where i'm doing the work that i love and so that's cool but i'm still unsure i don't quite know is there a way that you work yes. with people to help them yeah. dig into this so, so like, in, ter- in terms of purpose right mm. i have something to say about that because what you're speaking to is a sense of like purpose deeper calling you know like mm. going going into that direction yes yeah and yeah. so so a lot there's a myth i think a myth that doesn't help people. It actually, I think, this, it, it takes people further away from, from living their purpose because they're so busy 
trying, trying to, to figure it out, find, figure <laughs> out their purpose up front. And so you're kind of like your life's on hold, figuring out your purpose, and you're not and you're not ending up getting any closer to your purpose. And then when you're doing what you're doing, you're wondering, shit, am I living my purpose? Maybe I'm not living my purpose. <laughs> is this and it? You're busy. Wait, is this it? Is this me right now? Yeah. <laughs> I will say, look. First thing I say, the purpose of your life is this very moment. The purpose of your life is this very moment. The fact that you are existing is the purpose of your life. That's number one. The second thing is the idea that you need to find your purpose and figure out your purpose up front and have it, and have it sort of clearly written, down. Written, written on a poster board <laughs> is an illusion. I would say, share that. Yeah. Let, let, let that idea go totally. And come yes. to this moment. But what I would then say is, Feel the depth of your heart. Feel the truth of your heart. And there's a few, there's about four or five steps I'll give. Feel your soul. Because I think if we really dare to go beyond our mind, the mind which is always flip-flopping in duality, if we feel the depth of our heart and trust our soul, trust the impulse of our soul, and just begin going in that direction. Mm. Go in the direction of what you love. Go in the direction. A lot of people are figuring out what's going to make me money. How am I going to... No, go in the direction of what... What turns you on and makes you most alive? Mm-hmm. What makes you most alive? People don't realize I've become successful at what I'm doing. But I would do what I'm doing for free. People don't realize that when I was a kid in Peckham, Southeast London, one of the most, at that time, the most poorest, dangerous parts of, of London. I when, I, when I grew up there, I would sneak into my father's church in the middle of the night at age 11 because we lived literally in a small flat behind my father's church. And I would sneak into my father's church 7 p.m. till about 11 p.m. from age 11 to 18. And I would speak to the empty chairs, giving seminars to five, six, seven hundred empty chairs in the darkness, seeing faces. And I would give seminars for five, four, five, six hours. And this was going on six days a week for 11, you know, 10 eight, nine, 10 years. And people don't realize that for me, this was my love. This was what brought me most aliveness. And so go in the direct, feel what brings you most alive. For me, that is your soul speaking to you and start going in that direction. Because I believe if you go in that direction, even if you, and you don't have to know where you're going. People have this idea, you have to know where, you don't have to know where you're going in order to get to exactly where you need to be because I believe that there is intelligence of our soul and that same intelligence that is living, living each of us is that same intelligence that is breathing the sun, the star, the moon. It knows. So yeah. if we go in that direction and we take a step, then we take another step, then we take another step. Even if you don't know, I think we have to get comfortable with not knowing and we take yeah. another step. And I believe life actually reveals itself to you in the process of living. And what will end up happening is even though you don't know, one day you will wake up and you'll look around and realize, wow, I'm, I've actually lived into my purpose rather than figured it out up front. I don't yeah. think people like Obama or Oprah or oh, certain yeah. people, how could, they have, how could Oprah have said, totally. I'm 25 years old. Let me strategize. I'm going to be the biggest yeah. media mogul, billionaire woman in the world. She had no She's just reading the news, following the direction. So a yeah. couple, couple of simple practical steps I'll say. Go in the direction of what you love. And so ask yourself, here's, some, here's like three or four questions. What do I love? What do I love? And acknowledge what you love. What you love is a signal from your soul navigating and pointing, pointing you in a direction. But also, some people might say, well, I love basketball, but I'm two foot one. 
that's not gonna it's not gonna you know you're not gonna be the next basketball player that's just <laughs> kind of reality so look at what specific skills mm-hmm. you actually have based on your life experience i believe all of your life is simply preparation for what you are here to do mm-hmm. every pain every trauma every divorce every heartbreak every abuse every every challenge everything is just your curriculum that has been preparing your soul it's the soul gymnasium so embrace everything that happens. people say why is this been happening to me it's preparation so mm-hmm. look what specific actual tangible real you know skills you have yeah. that are of value the third thing is i always tell people don't follow money yeah. don't follow don't chase money actually look at what problems you are you are uniquely gifted at solving mm-hmm. Look at what specific tangible problems you are uniquely gifted at solving and go out and solve those. You know, right. your ability to make money is in direct proportion with your ability to add value and you add value when you solve a pain, problem, or challenge. And right. so that's the third thing. A lot of people just follow what they love, but they're not really solving a specific problem. And the, the last key I would say in terms of purpose is for people to consider what group of people do you feel a connection to? What group of people mm. do you feel an affinity to? Sometimes, you know, you, like, like, I don't know. I look at blind people. It's really weird. I just, my heart opens to those that are blind. I see them walking on mm. the street. I don't understand it. I see them walking on the street. It's so vulnerable. You know, it's so like, mm-hmm. they're just walking on the street. I'm like, my, my, I don't know why my heart goes out to them, but I feel something. So maybe you feel a connection to the animals, the dolphins, the children, you know, teenage, you know, teenage kids, teenage mothers, the elderly. Feel who you feel an affinity to. I believe that is your soul has a connection with that group of people for a reason. And that's also pointing you in a direction of perhaps who you are here to serve. Mm-hmm. And I think if you start looking at those four questions and really start narrowing down the love, the skill, what, you know, what, what, what problem I'm able to solve and the group of people, I think that can start narrowing down uh, mm-hmm. a direction that you can go into in terms of living, living your purpose. But I believe our purpose is revealed to us and our purpose to me is also not something that is static like oh i'm 25 i'm 30 years old i found my purpose it's this thing our purpose i (laughs) think evolves and changes and grows is evolutionary based Mm -hmm. on our own consciousness and evolution and so we have to be continually feeling our truth feeling Mm. our hearts feeling our deepest daring to to acknowledge the deepest for me a limited life that most people live by is asking themselves what do I want? What, what, what do I want? Mm. And then I tell people, you might get everything you thought you wanted, only to realize, is this it? It's not what you really wanted. It's just what you thought you wanted based on who you thought you were. But if you're not really listening or in touch with who you really are, authentically are, beyond the conditioning, beyond what you were told, then what you want is not going to be what you really want. So for me, the real question is not just, what do I want? Mm-hmm. The real question is, to me is actually, what does life want to express through me? What is it that is seeking to happen through me? What is the biggest thing? What is life seeking to manifest through me and to allow ourselves to become still, to listen to something deeper, to listen to our soul and align when we can align our thoughts, our mind, our action with that deeper impulse, then I think we can actually set ourselves up to live uh, an authentic and fulfilled life. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. I, I want to uh, have these sort of questions in sort of the show notes and stuff. And just to clarify, you said, what do you love? Then you said, don't chase money. But was the second one, what is your skills? Yeah, the second one is, so what, ask yourself, what do I love? The second yeah. one is, what specific skills do I have? You know, mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. lot of people say, oh, I love yeah. this thing. Yeah. But, but they have no skills in it. You know? Right, oh, right, what, right. I, I, I love, I love, I want to be, I love coaching people, but they have zero skills. They've done no training. They, mm. so, so if you look at, well, if I don't have any skills, then go, go get some training, go get yeah, some skills, yeah. go get some education so, because the, because the love and the skills have to be totally. aligned, have to be backed up. And then you said, what problems are you suited to solving and what yeah. group of people are you most connected to? Exactly. I love what that. Group of, what, what group of people do you feel a connection to? You know, yeah. we, feel, we feel that nudge for a reason. Even right. if you don't understand, is that is there? It's a karmic connection. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so tapping into that, beautiful. Thank you. Um, I would love just to, as we wrap up here, a bit about um, you've got an an event in Bali happening in December. Can you tell us a bit about that? Boundless yeah. bliss sounds you incredible. Know, yeah, what, what what I do is I, I help people transform. That's really what mm. I, I don't really coach people. You know, my, mm-hmm. my work for the last fifteen years has really been. People say you're a coach. I say I'm not a coach. I I don't coach you. I don't teach you. I don't. Uh, I, I unteach, I uncoach, I uncondition. And so really what I've done my whole career is created, whether it's I started off doing one-on-one and then it went into small groups and large groups and seminars. And so really what I do is I create uh, experiences, uh, environments, situations, seminars that are really designed to help you become conscious and aware of your conditioning mm. and also... Uh, take you through an experiential process that is designed to not just give you more intellectual knowledge because many times we know what we should do. We know what we shouldn't do. We know, okay, this person is not good for me, but why do I keep attracting this kind of situation or person? And so we know what we should do, but sometimes we can't stop ourselves. And so for me, it's our conditioning that kind of keeps hooking us back. So really what I do is I create a process that is designed to help you become aware of your conditioning and move through your conditioning. So the Boundless Bliss Bali journey is in Bali. It's a 12-day experiential immersion seminar training sort of without walls where about 18 to 20 people from all around the world come together. And it's really for those that, you know, if if you feel that you want to make a big impact on the world, you feel a calling in your heart and you feel a calling to serve humanity in some way. You know, if you feel like you're ready for your next level, you're ready to connect to your purpose and live that if you're ready to break through and heal and transform at deep levels, it's really for those that are seriously ready to like break transcend. free. Yeah. Yes. Really break free. It's, it's about freedom. It's about freedom. So 12 days, uh, you know, it was inspired because I used to do these crazy, my book is about my book. You are the one is kind of inspired by something I used to do in India. And so the Bali journey is inspired by that. Not as hardcore where I used to take one person to India. I used to take away your passport, your money, you have a backpack, a pair of clothes, Oh, that sounds scary. It's intense. You stuck with me for for 14 days. And uh, I take you through a radical transformational process. I did 19 of those journeys one-on-one. And then people start saying, do you do like group journeys? And that's how the Bali journey came about. Mm. And so it's a little different. I don't take away people's money and people's passports. But for (laughs) for me, it's about helping you access like freedom. Like true freedom. I think so often we're identified with so many things outside, the moment you take away someone's iPhone or, or, or passport or something, you know, we collapse. And so yeah. for me, a real freedom is something that is an internal. I look at someone like Mandela. Mm-hmm. He was in prison for 26 mm-hmm. years. 
26 years, him and himself. To me, he found a dimension of freedom in himself because when he came out, he still had his humanity. He knew who he was and he, was, he wasn't bitter. He was able to love. He was able to, to you know, live with compassion. And I think that is huge freedom, the ability to love yeah. you know, under all conditions, no matter what, no matter what people are doing, no matter what people are saying, whether you're getting what you want, whether you're not getting what you want, the, the, the ability to have the freedom to choose your response and, and keep loving to me is, is, is willpower. And so for me, that's really what the journey is about and part mm-hmm. of my work is about. I love it. I love it. Um, thank you for offering to give away a copy of your book. You are the one. Yes, um, yes. So you said this, did you say you mentioned this in the book? Is, so is this about, is this about your journey? Does this kind of encapsulate some of your work? Do you speak about this, these experiences? Yeah, where you the, take the, 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 basically in the book, I take you, I take you on the journeys. Mm-hmm. I take you on a journey and I really help you kind of see, understand why you are the way you are, how you got conditioned and through, you know, basically you take these, people to, to India with a backpack. And so through the lens of my clients, I help transform you through the book and, and uh, ultimately help you connect, peel away the layers, connect to your purpose and live your true destiny. So that's what the book is about. And, uh, it's inspiring. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Coot, thank you so much for your time today, your energy and wisdom and the work you do. Like I just, I feel energized and Good. uplifted. So I'm sure this will um, resonate and um, transfer to everyone that's like listening or watching or hearing this. So thank you so much. We'll have um, a link to that, to the giveaway of You Are The One, the book, all of your websites, your website, social, things like that. So if people want to find out more. Um, but yeah, that's great. And oh, one thing I like to end with, um, you've covered a lot of stuff, but just uh, a question is, what is an action? What would be one action that someone could do like now or today? Um, just based from your, just what you know that works. Okay, so this is going to be a little, uh, energy is going to shift, but I, Ooh, I really, okay. I'm, fe- I'm feeling called to, to express this. I would like you all to meditate on your death. Mm, wow. I would like you all to meditate on your death, feel your death. The reality is, we're so busy avoiding death, trying to resist death. And the fact is me, you, Bob Marley, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, David Bowie, Jesus, Buddha, we will all die. And the more you are able to acknowledge that, feel that, breathe it in, you know, it's like make death your friend, feel your death, not as a morbid thing. The mm. fact is every one, of us will, mm-hmm. every one of us will die but not every one of us will truly live. And I think the more willing you are to feel like you're dying right now, none of us know when we're going to die and feel it, embrace it, make it your friend, sit down with death, feel your death, breathe it into your heart, make it your friend. I think it will ignite hopefully Mm. a, a reality of the inevitability it could happen tomorrow. It could happen 10 years. I hope we all live a long life, 50 years, 100 years, 2,000 years with technology. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the fact is, none of, us never know, none of us know. The folks who maybe experienced 9-11, they didn't know that they weren't going to come home that right. night 
and not be able to look their loved ones in the eyes. So the first thing is feel your death and use that as motivation and inspiration to stop procrastinating, stop making excuses, stop mm-hmm. focusing on other people, live your true life. And so feel your death, use that as inspiration. Second thing is, as you feel your death, if there's someone you need to speak to, if there's something mm. you need to say, if there's someone you need to apologize to, if there's someone you need to let them know how much you love them, the second action is sort of like a bonus on is go do it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know how long they'll be alive. So how would you need to really live so that you have no regrets? And so feel your death, not as a negative thing to wallow yeah. in, oh, I'm going to die, but as a, shit, I, I'm going to die. And yeah. I don't know when. And I can't take any, any moment of this glorious existence of life for granted. And yeah. so feel your death. Thank you. <laughs> That's heavy. It did. When you said that, I was like, whoa, uh, I was speaking to a girlfriend yesterday. Uh, her boyfriend's brother's wife or something is 30 years old and just found out she's got stage three or four breast cancer. And it, and, and that immediately brought like home like, oh shit, you know, I'm 33. That could happen to me. And um, I had a friend that died a few years ago at 23 suddenly. And, and that was the first time, you know, I'd known grandparents that died and you kind of expect it with older people. And it was the first time that a young friend was gone and I was just gone. And I was like, oh, and so I've made that vow to live yes, fully yes. in honor of those that have gone, but also just to really embrace what we have while we're here. So thank you for bringing that very essential point home um, to wrap up with. You're a legend. This was thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I will see you all or you will hear from me next week. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the uplifting content podcast with me, Ioni Butler. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review so that more people can find it. And to make sure you never miss a beat, subscribe to our weekly dose of uplifting content, which is an email from me about the best of uplifting content from that week, be it giveaways, videos, interviews, all the good stuff. And as a bonus, when you subscribe, you get access to the uplifting content summit for free. The Uplifting Content Summit was an interview series with some fantastic guests, including Jay Shetty, Christine Hassler, Alexi Panos, Preston Smiles, Kyle Cease, Peter Kelly, Jenna Phillips-Ballard, and many more about how to stay uplifted. So if you'd like some tips and advice from some of the best thought leaders, authors, coaches out there, be sure to subscribe to my email update and get access to this summit for free. The link to sign up is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care. Bye.